Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloane, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. Today, I am bringing you Butterbeer as your cocktail. If you're a Harry Potter fan, make sure you stay tuned. And as for our case, today we're talking about Tammy Rhea. This is one of those that will have twists and turns to keep you holding on for the rest of the episode. So make sure that you have a cocktail ready and buckle up for the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. to another round of bartending with Sloan. Today we are going to make a Harry Potter inspired butter beer and this is the most simple recipe I have found for it. All you need is screwball, peanut butter whiskey, and cream soda. That's it. This is one of those drinks that you can measure to your heart's content. Again, as much or as little alcohol as you want. If you want measurements, I would do 1.25 of the whiskey to like 3 to 4 ounces of the cream soda. Perfect. Freaking perfect. I felt like I was at Hogwarts with this <laughs> shit. So, there's really nothing else to say. This is not a shake it, pour it sort of thing. Like, yeah. you literally just build it in the glass and enjoy. It's one of the easiest cocktail recipes that you can have on hand. I hate cream soda, but this drink is so good. It's definitely worth a try, especially if you want that Harry Potter butter yeah, beer. It, it's a good one. Yes. So we will have this recipe up on our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's all tequila she wrote across the board. If you have any cocktail recipe suggestions or case recommendations, that is tequila she wrote at gmail.com. Specifically, if you have any screwball drink recipe ideas, because we have a bottle and we have our own ideas, but we would love to hear yours. Yes. So let us know if you have any good ones and we'll kick you off to the case now. Enjoy. Like speaking, like public speaking where she like talks about domestic violence and that and she's been very active in like making sure correct information is out there about this case and just she wants people to look at this case as like actual people she wants people to not like go at it very like jokingly and just like yeah treat her and her mother as people yeah which i mean we i think we do but also this is true crime yeah and sometimes you do have to just, for us at least, a coping mechanism is to kind of laugh and yeah. stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna try to keep this as respectful as possible. So this case was sent to me on TikTok by like one of my best friends, Emily. She's been listening to our podcast and also catching up on some other true crime ones, and so. Anytime she comes across something true crime-like that she hasn't heard or she thinks is interesting, she's always sending me stuff. And the TikTok is actually um, Haley's, who is the daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, one that's pinned that is about, like, the case. And if you go on her page, you can, like, there's a few different ones, which is where I got some, like, Sorry, a little burp there. Sorry, <laughs> but um, it's where I got some of my information from. She also does have a little small podcast. I think it's like five, six episodes. And some of them she does talk about this case on too. Mm -hmm. So I got some of my information from there. So it is stuff that's like directly coming from her. But like I said, this is the case of Tammy Rhea. She is, Tammy is, like, her, like, a nickname. Her real, like, her actual name is Tamara 
Donnell Rhea Burns. Burns is her maiden name, but mm-hmm. like some people do refer to her by her maiden name. Mm-hmm. She was a 41-year-old wife and mother. She was born in Wyoming in June of 1964. She um, had two sisters, and one of them actually introduced her to her husband, Brad. Mm -hmm. And after they married, they lived in Billings, Montana, and had their daughter, Haley. And in 2004, they moved to Pierre, South Dakota. Tammy worked part-time at a Kmart and was about to start a new job at a pharmacy. Brad was 46. And like I said, he was her husband. And they actually were in the process of getting a divorce at the time. Now, their daughter, Haley was 12 at the time of all this happening and she was kind of told she was sat down by her parents and told that they were getting divorced Mm -hmm. and she kind of like in her tiktok she kind of touches on this she doesn't go into too much detail i think it's just because maybe you, you don't really dwell on it too much. You you were told this was happening. They laid down like what was happening. Her dad was going to move out. Her mother was going to start this new pharmacy job. Things were just going to try to stay as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. It was just her mother and father were not going to be living in the same house. Right. So her dad, like I said, was supposed to move out. But at the, like at the time of this happening, he hadn't moved out yet. And I believe it was in her podcast. She said that her dad was home more after, like, them announcing that they were getting divorced. Because mm-hmm. her dad worked for a local Walmart. Mm-hmm. And he was a manager there. So, like, I guess it was probably, it was probably like, late hours or whatnot. Yeah. But it was, like, he was never home. So, but once they said they were getting divorced, suddenly he was just home more and he would sit in bed with like his arm crossed and just like try to make Haley feel like bad for him. Which you having the <laughs> narcissistic <laughs> family, <laughs> I know, familiar. I know that you can relate to. Yeah. Sounds familiar. When you have a narcissist in your family, it's all about them and their feelings and their emotions. And everybody else has to step it underneath everything. It's all about them. Yes. So, that February, after a basketball game, which I think Kaylee said she played basketball. She either played or it was like she went to a basketball game, Mm -hmm. like, for her school. But she went to this game, she came home, she did her homework and that. It was like kind of like a normal night. She w- It was just her and her mom. She went to bed. And then suddenly she woke up in the middle of the night. And she goes out in the hallway and she sees her dad with laundry in his arms. Mm-hmm. This is not a normal thing for her. She was like, what are, what are you doing? And he goes... Nothing. Go back to bed. And he puts the laundry down and actually goes into her room with her and, like, lays in bed with her for her to fall back asleep. The next morning, which was February 8th of 2006, her dad woke her up for school, which is, again, not normal. Mm -hmm. Her mom always woke her up, gave her food, took her to school, all this. Yeah. Her dad woke her up, got her breakfast, and then she was like, where's mom? And he was like, oh, she she's still asleep. She's still in bed. So Haley... S-M-D-H. Shaking my damn head. <laughs> so she was like, that's weird. And then go, like, wake her up. Or he, She was like, I'm going to go look for her. She goes in her room. She's not there. 
Mm-hmm. Goes to the garage to see if her mom's car is still in the garage. It is. And then she notices, like, her mom's phone's still there. Her purse is still there. Like, all of her personal belongings are still there, but her mom is not there. Yeah. So she looks at her dad and goes, she's not here. Like, what's going on? Like, where's mom? And her dad, like, kind of quietly goes, your mom has a boyfriend. She's with her boyfriend. And this is the first time Haley's ever heard of a boyfriend. Of a boyfriend. Yeah. Granted, she hasn't known that they're getting divorced, like, that right. long. But still, like, it's the first time she's ever heard of this boyfriend. To her, she's like, this makes no sense. My mom wouldn't just leave me. Yeah. So, like, she finds about about this boyfriend. Her dad's taking her to school. And I guess her dad looked at her and was like, yeah, your mom ran off with her boyfriend She's not coming back. Like, like basically tried to be like, she left you. She abandoned you. You know that in less than 24 hours, sir? Yeah. And before, like, he dropped her off at school, he was like, make sure you don't tell anyone about your mom. This is, this is private. This is personal stuff. People don't need to know our business. Sounds like you're hiding something, sir. Red flag. Red flag. Up and down the field. Yes. So, according to an article I found about the case, and like I said, I tried to, you know, watch as much that I saw, like, so according to this article that I found, you know, Tammy's mother was kind of the one that, like, started this whole, like, worrying about Tammy because... Tammy and her mom talked, like, every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Always checked in. It was always, like, kind of first thing in the morning. So, when Tammy didn't check in, her mom, like, immediately became worried. And apparently her, like, siblings and, you know, family on, like, Tammy's side mm-hmm. started worrying. They're trying to reach her. They can't get hold of her. They actually end up calling... Haley's school to try talk to Haley and her aunt is the one that she ends up talking to and she was like you know we can't get a hold of your mom where's your mom and Haley just goes she wasn't home I don't know where she is yeah and she said in her she said it both on like the podcast and this documentary I watched how like, she already didn't want to be at school. She was having problems focusing because all she wanted to know was where her mom was, like, what her yeah. mom was doing and all that. And then her aunt calls and she said, you know, she could hear the worry in her aunt's voice. And that just made her even more, like, distracted. Yeah. And this poor girl is sent back to class. And then a little while later gets called back to the office and this time is greeted by a detective. Yeah. And so before she's greeted by the detective and that, like I said, she gets sent back to class and that. And I guess her family reaches out to her work and they happen to get a hold of her co-worker, Brian Clark, who also happens to be her boyfriend. Oh, how lucky. And... They're like, you know, have you talked to Tammy? Do you know, like, where Tammy is in that? And he's like, no. What are you talking about? And so he's the one that actually ends up calling, like, the police to report Tammy missing. Mm -hmm. Not her husband. Of course not. (laughs) But the boyfriend. And... Brian gets a hold of the operator and he goes, you know, you have reason to believe that foul play is suspected. And the operator's like, why do you say that? And he goes, well, me and Tammy have been having an affair and I guess her husband knows. Yeah. And so, like, police don't know what they're walking into they're just like oh yeah 
Is this just like some sort of domestic dispute? Is like something seriously wrong? So they go and they do a welfare check on the residents. And when they get there, Brad's not there. He's at work. Mm -hmm. But they find like literally as soon as they enter the house, there are red flags everywhere. In the garage was Tammy's Dodge Durango, and there was blood on the floor and blood dripping from the SUV. There's little droplets of blood in, like, the bedroom and stuff like that. There's just, like, there's little signs Mm -hmm. that she was there and she was injured. Injured or killed. You don't know, but, like, there are signs that something is terribly wrong. So... When they see the blood, like, coming from the SUV and, like, around the SUV, they open up the SUV to try to see if they can get any more evidence or, like, suspicion of evidence. And they're hit with this smell of cleaning solution. hmm And... Never a good sign. Yeah. They don't... According to, like, the investigation discovery mm-hmm. um, little documentary I watched on it, when they first go, like, because they don't really have a search warrant, they can't do too much. They don't look too much into the car, but, like, they're hit with this clean solution, so they know that something fishy happened here, but they can't investigate too yeah. much. They do notice that there's some blood inside, but again, you can only do so much. So that's when they go to Brad's work, detain him for questioning, and then they also end up at Haley's school and they question her. And poor little Haley, 12 years old, she is completely blindsided by the fact of there being a detective there. And in her podcast and on this little documentary, you can actually listen to the physical recordings of her interview with this detective who... I mean, I commend this detective. He, You can hear like the emotions in his voice when he's talking with her. Mm-hmm. And he even says in one of the interviews that he did with her, like, it was very hard for him because at the time he had young children yeah. and that. So, like, it was so hard for him to have to, like, deliver the news that he did and, like, talk to this 12-year-old girl. And that, and he has since, like, stayed in contact with her. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not just, like, a done over with. Yeah. File away. This isn't just a case. Yes, this was something that was very personal to him. It's not a file folder on his desk. So, during his interview with Haley, he has to figure out if there are any signs of, like, anything. So, he asks, you know, basically, like, were your parents, did you know your parents were getting divorced? And she goes, yes. They sat me down. They told me. And that, and he goes, do you know why? And she goes, my mom didn't love my dad anymore. And then my dad was never home. And then he asks, you know, did they ever really argue? Did they get physical or anything like that? And she goes, no. At least, you know, never in front of her, probably. Right. You don't know what happens when you're not there. But did she witness it? No. So she said she knew... Something was wrong, like, while he's interviewing her because, again, she didn't see her mom before she came to school. Her aunt called her. Her aunt sounded worried. And now there's this detective. And then also, she was a little bit of a crime junkie. Mm -hmm. She used to watch Law and Order with her mom and, like, other crime shows. So, like, she knows if she's getting interviewed, something's not right. And the detective actually goes... You know, your your mother is missing. We're going to do our best. We're going to find her for you. And he just kind of leaves it at that. 
And then they send her back to class again. I'm just like, you you send the, you send this little girl back to class after you tell her her mother's missing. And you question her. And it's like, all this stuff is like questioning about basically her father. So, like, to me, that, like, I don't even know how I could, like, react to this. So, after she finished this interview and was sent back to class for the second time, a little while later, she is called back to the office for a third time, and she's met with Child Protective Services. And they basically inform her that she will not be going home. She will be going to foster care for the, like, night until her grandparents on her mother's side who live, I think she said it was like nine hours away, were able to come get her. So she's taken to foster care. Meanwhile, her father, Brad, is in custody and being questioned for the disappearance of his wife. And when he is questioned about Tammy's boyfriend, he admits that he knew that she had a boyfriend, but said he didn't know who the boyfriend was. So like I said, Brad's a manager at a local Walmart and said a few hours after arriving home on the 7th, in like different articles, I found 1030, but in Haley's podcast, she says 1am, so I'm not sure she just might be saying a different time, but also, you know, we just know that sometime on the 7th, Brad apparently arrives home, and he's home for a little bit, and then he hears a car outside. And he figured it was his wife getting home from wherever she might have been. But she doesn't come inside and said, like, the car drives off and whatnot, and he assumes that it's her meeting her lover, as he, like, puts it, and he drove off after them. So, to me, it's just very weird, like, why would you just drive off after this random car if you don't know for sure that your wife's in it, but whatever. So, like I said, he drove off after her, apparently taking her car which I don't know why he took her car instead of his, but he ends up, like, kind of breaking down on his way home, I guess, is kind of how it's portrayed. There's no real way, because this car was never searched or anything during, like, this time, so, like, He ends up breaking down. A state trooper comes and, like, talks to him and then he just says he's having car troubles and that. And then, like, has this short interaction and then ends up, like, the car fixes itself or whatnot. Or, like, the trooper helps him get going and goes on his way. So, like I said, we don't know really if he was, if he had already gone to where he was going or if he was on his way back that was never made clear in any of the articles that I saw but it was just the fact that he was out and there's this interaction with the state trooper is just crazy to me so Brad has his like alibi and there's like video evidence that he was yes he was out driving but Tammy's not seen with him, so you can only go off of so much. Meanwhile, during, like, this interview time, the boyfriend's brought in and questioned, and he also apparently had an attorney with him at the time, too, when he came in to get questioned, which police immediately were like, Why would you bring an attorney when we're not even looking at you right now as a suspect? That just screams guilty. But I think it was to kind of save his ass a little bit. He didn't want to possibly incriminate himself or get, like, cornered into something that he didn't do. Mm -hmm. 
Clark said that he was with Tammy on the 7th, but said he went home and his wife could actually give an alibi for him. So yes, Brad is being cheated on, but also, well, I guess not cheated on because they're getting divorced. So I think it's not, it's not like anything was going to happen like there. They weren't by any means going to reconcile their marriage, but like Brian technically was married and in the documentary thing I found, the wife apparently didn't know about the affair until she got brought in to confirm his alibi. Ah. So, if you listen, like, there, there's so many, like, things, like I said, this is a case of twists and turns. There's so many parts that, like, you sit there and go, this is a relationship that was happening for a little while. So, the fact that he was married, but, like, his wife didn't have any clue until police were questioning her. Yeah. I feel bad for the wife, but also the fact that she didn't just, like, say, nah, I ain't gonna cover free. No, he wasn't home. Yeah. I feel like that is a strong-ass woman. Cause, me. Um, I'd, be a, <laughs> I'd be a petty-ass bitch. Nope, he wasn't home. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Me, petty. No, he wasn't here. But. He was not here. Yeah. Let me tell you. Do you need his GPS locations? Because I got the car. But also, if if they were able to trace back and you said he was at home and then they could find out, they then it's like you're interfering with. So, like, I'd be hurt that, yes, he was having this affair, but also the crime junkie in me would be like, mm, if I lie, this could turn bad. <laughs> Brad's alibi was deemed, like, the more shaky by detectives so they were like all right we're gonna let brian go we're gonna question brad a little bit more so yeah the police questioned brad a little bit more and after questioning him more he told authorities when they found tammy's body there would be something to set him free not the statement you would really want to make want to make nor expect as like police because you're like wait as the body so you're trying to say that you know she's dead like it just it was very odd and the way he delivered it like you can go and listen to it on the I'll have it linked in the show notes I want to say it's like the devil speaks or something like that and then it's like a series thing it was in the first season and it's like i'm like blanking on what the episode title is but it's kind of early on in season one and it's like something will set you free it he literally sits there and it's like when when her body is found, I know there will be something that will set me free. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude. <laughs> they believe that this statement was supposed to be in reference to, like, some DNA evidence that might be, like, located on her. But, I mean, you have to take it as it is. You don't really know what he's thinking. And you can only go with what you know. So... This little girl is obviously distraught. Like, again, they play the recording and you just hear her crying in that. And you hear the emotion in this detective's voice. And that's how, like, like I said, you just have so much respect for this guy. Because it's not just another case for him. It's, like, very personal for him. And Haley, like I said, she's very distraught in that. And the detective's like, you know, you let me know if you, like, need anything, if you think of anything, if you want to talk to me, anything like that, you know, tell them, and I'll be here. And that, and I'm sitting here watching this last night, and when she speaks after, like, he says that, she literally goes, what, can I have my cat? (laughs) 
still. Mm. And I lost it because me being the cat person, I'm like, the kitty, she's worried about her baby. Try to keep me from my dogs. Right? I was like, oh. Try to keep me from my dogs. I was like, this poor baby is so, like, distraught about what's going to happen to her cat. And I'm like, oh, this poor girl. Yep. But she's also finally able to talk to, like, her family for the first time since, like, being at this foster care house Mm -hmm. during this, too. Because she said when she was taken to foster care, they didn't let her make, like, a phone call or watch any TV or anything because they didn't want her to see something or, like, talk to anybody. And, like, so, like, she is finally after... Finding out that her mother is more than likely dead. Her father's been arrested for this. She's finally able to talk to, like, her grandfather and that. And she finds out, like, they're on their way to pick her up. It's a nine-hour drive, so it's going to be a while. But, like, she is pretty much essentially alone. So, like, you feel bad for her because she finds out about all this while having no one basically... I don't want to say familiar because she had teachers around, but like it's nobody that you're going to be like able to really lean on. Yeah. No confidants. Yeah. On February 10th, so remember Tammy was reported missing February 8th. So this is literally two days later. Her naked body was spotted by a National Guard helicopter in an isolated area north of the city. Tammy had been stabbed. I read 36 times but in the documentary. They said anywhere up to like 50 times. But either way, that's overkill. And, you know, true crime 101. Overkill is 99.9% of the time done by someone close to the victim. Mm-hmm. So, after you see this poor woman's body you know just attacked the way it was you obviously have to look at this and go this is somebody close there was also a bloody t-shirt and gloves left nearby her body the one like former prosecutor Todd Love for Hughes County said that the murder was very vengeful and very rageful, which again usually means someone close to the victim. After this, the discovery of the body, investigators went back to the Rhea residence to search further because they were finally able to get a search warrant. And that's when they start looking into the SUV and they realize there was more blood than they even first thought there was. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a very rushed job. Yes, there was the smell of cleaning solution, but whoever tried to clean it up did not do a very good job. They also found a digital recorder (laughs) that had audio revealing that Brad did, in fact, know who Brian Clark was. So, him lying does not make you look any better, because guess what? You're still a piece of shit. Yes. So, he had put this recording device in Tammy's car. They're guessing about four days prior to when she went missing. And, you know, the audio is Tammy calling and talking to Brian and in the documentary you can kind of, they do play a little small clip and it's just her being like I don't know if she called into work or where she called but she goes, you know she asked to speak to Brian Clark and then when he answers she was like hey it's me, I just needed to hear your voice because Brad's being terrible he just doesn't understand he's not gonna make this easy and so you're just like this poor woman is trapped in this relationship with someone who just will not like let it go 
you've already decided you're getting a divorce, but you're gonna be basically an asshole about it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Haley said that she never knew about Brian until the morning that like her mom went missing, and that and so like she just knew like her parents were getting divorced and that they never slept together. They never really showed affection to one another. So to her, like, it just kind of made sense. Like, Mm -hmm. you see that there's nothing really signaling any, like, actual, like, love and affection there. Besides the fact that they had you at one point. So clearly there was some love at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. Detectives also have to try to figure out why Brad would lie about not knowing who Brian, like, was. Like, not knowing his name and that. When they received a letter that would create a major turn in this case. The letter was anonymous and it very heavily incriminated Brian. The letter claimed Tammy had been raped the night she went missing and a condom was still inside her. Uncomfortable. Yes. So, they had already done an autopsy on her before this letter and they didn't find the condom. But after the letter, they did a second one and they did find the condom. And, I mean... You can skip ahead a little bit. This might be a little TMI. But, like, apparently the condom was found in her rectum. Not in her, like, vaginal canal. It was in her rectum. So, like, dude. Hella uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, are you you kidding me? So, another little side note that, you know, Haley was very, like adamant to point out was the fact that because of the second autopsy being done the family didn't get to have a funeral for Tammy until April again this is all happening in like February Yeah. they had the autopsy they thought they were going to be able to have this funeral real quick you know get Mm -hmm. it like done be able to start picking up pieces and move on But it wasn't until April that they were able to actually bury Tammy. So, like, I'm sure that's a whole nother level of, like, trauma for this family. Like I said, they did the second autopsy and found this condom. But any evidence inside the condom had deteriorated and provided no clues to the identity of Tammy's killer. And so, investigators recalled that during Brad's initial interview, he said that his wife's body would set him free. And so, now you have them remembering this statement, them finding this condom, and then you have this random, like, letter. So, now they have to try to figure out, is Brad, like, involved in this? You know, is this, like, maybe Brian's, like, conscience, like, being like, well, I don't really want to turn myself in, but I can write this anonymous letter. Like, they're trying to figure out, basically, which way they need to go with this. Meanwhile, Brad's still in jail because they have enough that they can hold him, but they definitely need some more hard evidence to be able to convict Another thing they're trying to figure out, if Brad did happen to plant this evidence, then who wrote the letter? Because Brad, like I said, Brad's behind bars, so he couldn't have written the letter. But authorities soon find out that Brad has this twin brother, Brett, who had come to, like, visit and stuff and actually written the letter. Mm. He, you know... From prison calls that were recorded, Brad asked his brother to come visit him in prison with pencil and paper for letters that need to be sent. Brad then held up a piece of paper and Brad, uh, if I can speak, Brett copied the information down and then Brett 
sent those letters out as Brad requested. Brett was later arrested and charged with being an accessory to murder, and he was sentenced 172 days in jail, but agreed to testify against his brother and was released. But basically, investigators learned that Brad had an elaborate plan for his wife's murder. He had managed to recover a used condom from Brian that he had used with Tammy at a hotel room. And when they left, Brad somehow got access to that hotel room before it got cleaned and found the condom and then used that condom and planted it inside Tammy. Which is just a whole new level of crazy. Yeah, it was found in her asshole. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but like the fact that he literally followed her to this hotel room at one point wait for her to leave, and then somehow got access to this room. And then, of all things, like, you you pick up a, a used condom? Like, what? Yeah. It's just... Even Haley said, like, her father went, like, crazy. <laughs> Quickly. Like, he tried to hold it together, like... I guess, like, appearances, but, like, behind everything, like, he was nuts. I fucking believe it. Once again, the condom was found in her asshole. I know, it's just, ugh. Not even, you know. Yeah. So, Brad had killed Tammy in her sleep in their bed. Before she went to sleep, apparently, he had secretly covered the bed with, like, tarp and blankets to help like soak up the blood but obviously can't just have a tarp without someone being like what's so it's under all this stuff but so he has to get rid of like the sheets and everything and the bloody materials were later found by authorities and they believe that Tammy was attacked while she slept she was probably stabbed about five times in the back and then her throat was slit which is why there was so much blood like right. in the SUV and that because she's still potentially like bleeding out and that which is terrible From to one think of, of major arteries yeah, yeah it's like terrible to think of but then they believe Brad placed her and the blankets and like in the in her car And then drove her out of town and dumped her where she was found and stabbed her even more times. I will say that um, when they did the autopsy and that, they did note that there were some defensive wounds. So she did fight back, which I think is a testament to Haley being like, my mother would never just leave me. Yeah. Because you know that her mom was probably like, I have to try to fight this to stay alive for my baby. Yeah. So they said that one of the wounds like looked like she had tried to grab the knife at one point mm-hmm. and because he I guess he could over whether it was adrenaline or he was just stronger I don't know. But when she grabbed the knife, he actually ripped it out. And so it sliced through her hand to the bone. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this poor woman. Like, what she must have gone through. So, like I said, he, police believe, like, she was already, like, wounded or possibly killed at, like, the house. She was then transported out of town, and then he inflicted more damage to her after he dropped her off. He then, you know, dropped the body and that bloody shirt and gloves, like, in that area. And then in a different area, in, like, plastic bags disposed of the sheets and comforter and all that, like, somewhere else. Which, 
police were able to find because one of the things that Brad told Brett was it was a drawn map telling his brother where some of the good fishing spots were. Well, you know, one of those good fishing spots just happened to have these trash bags full of bloody I was about to say, it sounds like an X on the mark for a treasure map hunt. Yeah, it just, uh. (laughs) ugh. Brad also later admitted to placing the condom in Tammy's body. Like, duh. But then he denied taking responsibility for the murder. A year later, at the trial for Tammy's murder... In January of 2007, Brad's defense tried to blame Haley for their, like, who was now 13 at the time, tried to blame Haley for the murder. Brad said that the divorce had traumatized Haley and that he saw her in her mother's room with a bloody knife in her sleep and tried to cover up the murder to protect her. So he's trying to play off that, you know, in like a comatose state, she just... You know, brutally stabbed and killed her mother. And his first reaction was to basically cover it up, get her out of the house, like dispose of any evidence and all that. It's like, are you It just. So, like, he's trying to blame her. But Haley testified for the prosecution saying that, you know, she saw her father doing laundry in the middle of the night, which was unusual. So she basically says, you know, I caught my father red-handed trying to destroy evidence. And so apparently Brad's original plan was to plant evidence like, at Brian's house and try to frame him for this murder, but when, like, all that, like, did not work out the way, like, he wanted it to, his next defense was to then blame Haley, which is a whole new level of trauma for that poor girl. But the jury eventually found Brad guilty of first-degree murder for the stabbing death of his wife, And he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He's incarcerated at South Dakota State Penitentiary in Sioux Falls. Haley has since, like, she hasn't, like, I don't think you're ever going to be able to fully move on from that. But she has made, like, her life's goal to basically be a speaker against domestic violence. She said, you know, after the trial, she recalled seeing signs of this, which she, like, she said she never saw him be physical, but I feel like, you know, there's so much more than to domestic violence than physical. I feel like she probably recalled seeing, like, hearing stuff be said. So there's that. Um... Like I said, she now speaks out in hope of saving lives. Haley says that her father cannot contact her, and she hasn't spoken to him since the morning he dropped her off at school. So this was like this was '06. So we're now in like 2022. That's how many years? Uh, if you ask me, less than one year ago, because <laughs> ten years ago was the 1990s. Yeah, no, it's like. You know, that's like 10 plus years. Like 13 <gasps> years or something like that. You said that. what year? 2006? 2006 and we're now in 2022. 12 years. Yeah. So like, it's been a long time and she said he cannot contact her at all. In her podcast, she does say, you know, she is happy. She has a family now. She does have a child. and that, And like I said... She has stayed in contact with the detective that sixteen w- years. I'm sorry. There we go. I was like, <laughs> but she's she has stayed in contact with the detective that like basically was the one that interviewed her and like was like, we're gonna find your mother. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he didn't find her in the way that he probably hoped that yeah. he would. But you know he. Her and this detective has stayed, like, in contact. And she actually, when she found out she was pregnant, she contacted him, let him know. And that, 
So, like I said, she said, you know, she is happy and she has this family. I mean, she lost her mom in this horrific way and she does still struggle with it. She says she does still, like, cry sometimes at night, which I think that's to be expected. Yeah. And then, you know, on her TikToks and that and even in her podcast, she just says, you know, yes, she wants, like, She's okay with the story being out there because she's been talking about it for years now. But, like like I said, her one request is just that people stay respectful when sharing her story. They treat her and her mother like they're actual people, which I hope we were able to do. And, like I said, I did try to cross-reference anything I found with, like, stuff that she has put out. So, hopefully, I got all the right details I did reach out to her on TikTok, whether she saw it, or, saw it not. or not. Maybe she'll look or reach out to us about it. If she does and, you know, does anything different, we'll definitely give an update. I know that one thing she did say she is very worried about still with this case is the fact that, you know, her father could potentially still you know, win an appeal and she ends up having to be back in court, like reliving this all over again. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. That's like one thing that unfortunately she does have to live with for the rest of her life until like, you hate to say it, until her father like it passes, passes or, or whatnot. Or... So it's something she's going to have to live with for a while. And I mean, she'll always have to live with it, but, like, (laughs) the fact that her father could possibly win an appeal and get out has to sit heavy on her heart. Yeah. But that is our case. I think we're going (laughs) to leave it at that, and we'll kick us off to a last call, which will be less, uh, (laughs) less, um, heavy, I guess you could say. But kick you off to the last call with Sloan. Welcome back to another last call with your bartender Sloan. Today I looked up fun facts about the world. <laughs> okay. It says 20 fun facts about the world that sound absurd but are actually true. Also I feel like I should mention that one I feel n- nauseous as fuck right now so I do apologize and two I have the hiccups. Both the nausea and the hiccups are possible to make me sound funny. Yeah. But the hiccups, I can I can explain. Oh, there's another one. I was born with a deformed esophagus. So I get hiccups way more than normal people. And I just got a really severe bout of nausea. And these hiccups are following it up. Yeah. Oh, anyways. All right. So... 20 absurd fun facts about the world. Let's go. Number one, did you know that it snows in the Sahara Desert? I did not. I feel like I've heard that, but I forgot. Did not know. Um, there are only two countries in the world where Coca-Cola does not exist. (laughs) Where? I was, I was going to ask, do you want to get, do you want to guess? Say probably like Antarctica. I don't know the other one. I feel like that's a better guess than what it is. You cannot get Coca-Cola in North Korea and Cuba. Okay. I get it. North Korea since 1950 and Cuba since 1962. Dictatorships, yeah. Okay. I would have assumed... Antarctica too but I guess they take a shit ton on their boats which to say like my husband he stocks up on Mountain Dew (laughs) so I could literally see him going to Antarctica with like (laughs) a bunch of 72 packs of 24 packs of Mountain Dew to get him through for three months this man Sudan has the most pyramids in the world not Egypt okay Egypt and pyramids are also are al- almost synonymous, but did you know that pyramids are in Sudan too? Nubia, in which is a region in Sudan, 
has 255 pyramids, twice the number in Egypt alone. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not know that. Oh! Columbia's brightest rainbow is in its river. We have to go. Yeah. We have to go. Normally, you'll find rainbows in the sky, but the Caño Cristales, also known as the River of Five Colors, beams brighter than any rainbow in the sky, and it's in Colombia. And we just looked at a picture, and y'all, this is beautiful, gorgeous, (laughs) phenomenal, all the hiccups, all the things, but like, there are pebbles that are pink and purple and the water is green and blue and there are stones that are orange like yeah it is literally a river of rainbows i have to go my mermaid heart we have to go did you know that the sahara desert used to be a tropical rainforest i did not i did not either the sahara desert is known for being the world's hottest desert. However, 6,000 years ago, this dry land was a lush rainforest with thick vegetation and high rainfall. Shows what humans do to this planet, huh? Yeah. Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu, yeah. Machu Picchu is an earthquake-proof city. I mean, it's still standing after after how many centuries? Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt that. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that was rough. <sighs> I recently learned this one on TikTok. <laughs> but you can walk from Russia to Alaska on yeah, ice. I saw that. <laughs> but like, so can you tell can you tell the flat earther story? I can't. <laughs> I have too much uh, hiccups. So Sloan's husband recently had to train this guy at work on grill and he is a flat earther. Not Sloan's husband, this guy. The new hire. And at that point, I need to say, like, Nate is very into NASA and astro, yeah, astrophysics and all that stuff. Like, that is his passion. If my husband could sit still for classrooms long enough, he would be an astrophysicist. But, like, he just can't do the school thing. Yes, this guy is trying to tell him, you know, you know, do you ever just find it weird that, like, the there's just, like, a drop-off, like, when you're looking at, like, a map? He goes, don't you think the world does that? It's like, no, dude. The world is circular. You just keep going around in a circle. And they kept talking about it, and my husband was like, dude, you don't want to continue this conversation with me. Like, I know I'm a girl cook, but I understand astronomics and astrophysics physics and all that stuff. Like, I can literally explain all of this to you, but you're still not going to understand it. And then, long story short, short, this guy is, we know him. (laughs) I've met him before, and I just never knew. We know him. He used to work with us, too. God, I just. But, yeah, Nate, like, Nate just, he lost it. He was like, I've literally met, never met another flat earther. Never met a flat earther. But it's the fact that, like, you know, you can walk from freaking russia Russia you can stand on the tip of russia and look and see alaska and there are still people that are like the earth is flat no it's not oh this is interesting china has only one time zone but america has five (laughs) we have our four we have the eastern coast the central coast Mountain time. Mountain time and Pacific. And then you have Arizona, who does not participate in time changes. Well, that's they're still part of a time zone. They just don't no, do daylight. No, but Arizona is their own time zone. Like, if you look mm. on whenever you, like, sign up for websites and they're like, what time zone? 
Arizona is their own time zone because they do not participate in daylight savings times. Right. Which, why do any of us? They're trying to get rid of it. Should have gotten rid of it a long time ago. Also, San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge speaks, quote-unquote. This is one of the newer facts in the world. In June 2020, San Francisco's beloved Golden Gate Bridge started speaking up about some amendments made to the railings on the bike path. Literally. So, city officials explained it to be the case of high winds passing through the new handrails. The bridge is safer for users when it faces less wind resistance, therefore... The sound is a good sign that strong winds are passing through the bridge smoothly. So don't worry whenever a bridge speaks to you. <laughs> I'm going to fucking worry. Not, I mean, not really, because I can swim. But if I go down with a bridge that's sinking and there's like a whole whirlpool that takes me down with it, I don't think I can swim out of that. Yeah. And I think, oh no, I thought it was my last fact. You can go on a safari in Sri Lanka. I thought you could only do that in Africa, but apparently not. Um, a real-life spirited away bathhouse exists in Tainan. Okay. Thailand has a festival to appreciate their monkeys. I would like to be appreciated. Uh-uh. I would like to be appreciated. But the resident monkeys of this one town in Thailand. <laughs> I cannot pronounce it. They are treated with 4,000 kilograms of fruits, vegetables, and Thai desserts. What a spread. Right? Can I be a monkey? Please? You're always seven years behind in Ethiopia. What? Um... So, here's one of the most mind-boggling facts about the world. When we welcomed 2020, Ethiopia was only four months into 2012. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, just like the Gregorian calendar, the Ethiopian calendar marks Christ's birth at as the starting point. However, following alternate calculations of the Annunciation of Christ, the Ethiopian calendar is seven to eight years behind every other one. So, fortunately for travelers, we are not affected by the differences, but modern day Ethiopia understands the Gregorian calendar and uses both calendars interchangeably. Interchangeably. But according to their biblical calendar, they are in 2012 and the rest of us are in 2022. So, I guess they're in 2014 now. Jesus. I would like to go back before COVID. Does that make that I, happen? I was going to say, I mean, well, we're all complaining about 2020. They're complaining about, like, 2014. 2018, or I don't know. France is the most visited country with 89 million annual tourists, and I have never been there. Nope. But I would love to go. If we have any Parisian listeners and you want to have a meetup, <laughs> let us know. Um, Thailand has the tiniest mammals in the world, and they are bats. They're, like, literally the size of this person's thumb. Like, half Aww. of the thumb. Like, yeah. Look at that. Like the baby. Look at the baby. Yes. So, those are my fun facts about the world today. I feel like the most shocking for me personally is that it snows in the desert. What the fuck? I don't know. But thanks for hanging out with us today. We hope you enjoyed this ride on the Hot Mess Express. And if you did, please, please, please leave us a review or a rating or even better, share with somebody that you think would enjoy this. Yes. You can also catch us, catch us on our social medias. We have the Twitter, the Facebook, the TikTok, the Instagram. They're all Tequila She Wrote across the board. We also have our Patreon. Again, Tequila She Wrote. For as little as $2 a month, you can get ad-free episodes. You also get a bonus episode. And now we do have some merchandise even for the $2 one. I think it's like a sticker or something like that. I don't know. But every tier you get added on bonus content and different merchandise options. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
Did we do the email? We have our email. (laughs) Yeah. You have the email that you can send us cocktail recipes or case suggestions. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We release these episodes every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you're listening right now. And we look forward to hearing. We look forward to talking to you (laughs) in a few days. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.